0: Welcome to Dissecting Philosophy with Dr. McDonald. In this episode, we'll be discussing and looking at the section of voluntary death in Nietzsche's Thus Spoke Zarathustra. We also have a little discussion of the film Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey to fit in with a wee section. So let's get cracking on. Of voluntary death. Oh many die too late and some die too early still the doctrine sounds strange die at the right time die at the right time thus zarathustra teaches to be sure he who has never lived at the right time could hardly die at the right time better if he were never to be born thus i advise the superfluous but even the superfluous make a great thing of their dying yes even the hollowest nut wants to be cracked everyone treats death as an important matter but as yet death is not a festival as yet men have not learned to consecrate their fairest festivals i shall show you the consummating death which shall be a spur and a promise to the living the man consummating his life dies his death triumphantly surrounded by men filled with hope and making solemn vows thus one should learn to die and there should be no festivals at which such a dying man does not consecrate the oaths of the living. To die thus is the best death, but the second best is to die in battle and to squander a great soul. But equally hateful to the fighter as to the victor is your grinning death, which comes creeping up like a thief, and yet comes as master. I commend you my sort of death, voluntary death that comes to me because i wish it and when shall i wish it he who has a goal and an heir wants death at the time most favorable to his goal and his heir and of reverence for his goal and his heir he will hang up no more withered reefs in his sanctuary of life truly i do not want to be like rope makers they spin out their yarn and as a result continually go backwards themselves many a one grows too old even for his truths and victories a toothless mouth has no longer the right to every truth and everyone who wants glory must take leave of honor in good time and practice the difficult art of going at the right time one must stop permitting oneself to be eaten when one tastes best. This is understood by those who want to be loved long. To be sure, there are sour apples whose fate is to wait until the last day of autumn, and they become at the same time ripe, yellow, and shriveled. In some ages, the heart ages first, and in others, the spirit. And some are old in their youth, but those who are young late stay young long. For many a man, life is a failure, a poison worm eats at his heart, so let him see to it that his death is all the more a success. Many a man never becomes sweet, he rots even in the summer, it is cowardice that keeps him fastened to his branch. Many too many live and they hang on their branches much too long. I wish a storm would come and shake all this rottenness and worm eatenness from the tree. So in this section Nietzsche is then talking about when is exactly the right time to die and that regardless of what point we are in life we'll all at some point reflect upon our own death and we have initially that joke he who has never lived at the right time could hardly die at the right time better if he was never to be born in which you have the sense of people feeling displaced within their own time period either in the sense of they should have been born in a previous time period or that they're completely out of place in their current time period will be much better in a future state in which people's own opinions have changed and therefore they can fit in better with society in which we have Nietzsche himself sort of poking perhaps fun at himself here because he himself felt displaced within his own time period and said that his philosophy and his own views was a philosophy of the future that was going to take at least up to about 300 years before everybody caught up to exactly what his own values and ideas were talking about and when we have this discussion of dying at the right time why is that the case because they have a goal in mind for what exactly they want to achieve and what they want to leave behind in their act of dying but we also have the sense of precisely this goal and this move towards achieving this goal let's say of euthanasia of you having the power to choose when you die then there's also this great metaphor of you having become resentful and have a hatred towards life and so ultimately people become like sour apples in the way in which life is sort of described in this fantastic image of a ripening fruit in such a way that everyone will ripen at a given time period and then at some point we don't know exactly when because it will differ on every person but then he says that poison worm eats his heart and so that's when your own view starts to become resentful towards life towards your own body towards others and where you just want a release from your own body and just want to die and a clear image we have in philosophy of this is in Phaedo where Socrates is at the end of his life and wants to drink the poison as much as it takes to kill him because he wants to die and from the nietzsche argument side of things we could say well why is that the case because he's become an old man he's no longer youthful anymore he's basically lived his life and now he's become resentful precisely to life itself But there's also that sense of becoming a hypocrite as well, because it's precisely all the things that life has given you that you've enjoyed in the first place. It's enabled to live in the first place that you then say, well, actually, now everything that I've just enjoyed suddenly has no meaning for you. Then you just say, well, you big, massive hypocrite. What about your body? What about experience and enjoyment in itself? All that has come just solely from engaging with the world and enjoying and loving the world and now you've just become a resentful hatred old man basically and we have nietzsche sort of poke fun at this whole idea of people who are resentful and hatred towards life it's just why won't just a big gust of wind or just something come along and knock all these horrible sour apples from all over the place if only got rid of all these sour apples and bad apples basically we'd end up just with everybody enjoying life enjoying the world and then the people who wanted to die in the first place would be already gone and we get a sense of that in the next little section that comes up so continuing on i wish preachers of speedy death would come They would be the fitting storm and shakers of the trees of life, but I here preached only slow death and patience with all earthly things. Ah, do you preach patience with earthly things? It is these earthly things that have too much patience with you, you blasphemers. Truly, too early did that Hebrew whom the preachers of slow death honour, and that he died too early, has since been a fatality for many as yet he knew only tears and the melancholy of the hebrews together with a hatred of the good and just the hebrew jesus then he was seized by the longing for death had he only remained in the desert and far from the good and just perhaps he would have learned to live and learned to love the earth and laughter as well believe it my brothers he died too early he himself would have recanted his teaching had he lived to my age he was noble enough to recant but he was still immature the youth loves immaturely and immaturely too he hates man and the earth his heart and the wings of his spirit are still bound and heavy but there is more child in the man than in the youth, and less melancholy. He has a better understanding of life and death. Free for death and free in death, one who solemnly says no when there is no longer time for yes, thus he understands life and death. That your death may not be a blasphemy against man and the earth, my friends, that is what I beg from the honey of your soul in your death your spirit and your virtue should still glow like a sunset glow around the earth otherwise yours is a bad death thus i want to die myself that you friends may love the earth more for my sake and i want to become earth again and that i may have peace in her who bore me truly zarathustra had a goal He threw his ball. Now may you friends be the heirs of my goal. I throw the golden ball to you. But best of all, i like to see you too. Throwing the golden ball, my friends. So I shall stay on earth a little longer. Forgive me for it. Thus spoke Zarathustra. So then we have a really interesting discussion about the life of Christ that suddenly appears and And what Nietzsche picks up on is the age in which Christ died of 33, they reckon, is when he's meant to have died. And Nietzsche's saying, well, he's very young at this given point. He's not lived his full life. What exactly would have happened if Christ had lived longer? He says, well, we would have ended up with something that would have been completely different from when he was younger and it's almost saying well youth in itself has its own problem in wanting to sort of rebel and he says here we have this whole sense of immaturely he hates man and the earth and so we have this whole sense of when you reach sort of maturity away from your youth then you sort of realize the folly of your own ways and you would sort of correct yourself and how you think previously and arrived at a much better conclusion later on for yourself. It's all that sense of whenever we go through a phase in a sort of teenage sense of the word you think oh I'm really into punk rock this will be my life forever and then you say well you grow up a wee bit more and then you sort of say well okay maybe it was an important phase in my life previously but i've changed my own views thoughts and opinions and i can be critical of my own self at this given point in a very sort of productive and healthy way because that all allows us to develop as individuals and develop our own ideas and there's that sense as well of being moved by empathy of the hebrews here he's saying in the life of christ and a hatred of being what's upheld as good and just for everybody and that whole sense of rebelling against that and he says well if only he remained in the desert a bit longer and away from everybody else and all these sort of influences that was going on around him he would have sort of learned to love life And learn to laugh and so forth and what is touching upon is of course the very famous example in the bible of the temptation of christ in which you have the whole famous example of jesus fasting for 40 days and nights in the judean desert and you have that in the gospels of matthew 4 1 to 11 in mark 1 12 to 13 and in luke Four, 1 to 13 and the whole sort of account of Jesus in the desert in a nutshell basically is to overcome sort of desire and temptation and ultimately for Christ to show that have that the devil has no power over him and so we have the sort of three examples that sort of come up I'm just lifting this from wikipedia as well in the sense of the three temptations is for christ to ultimately make bread out of stones sort of leave his own hunger jump from a pinnacle and rely on angels to break his fall and then to worship satan and return for all the kingdoms of the world and what these each three temptations announces is the first one to do with hunger is to do with the world the second one of jumping from the pinnacle is to do with the flashes it says and the one to do with worshiping satan's obviously to do with the devil there and each given instance of course christ passed the test and it's all to do with overcoming our worldly bodily desires and temptations and ultimately for us to reach spiritual purity and enabling us to believe in the word of god as completely true having complete faith and going towards sort of the whole idea of metaphysics in the afterlife as well all wrapped into all that and what we have sort of Zarathustra say is sort of the complete opposite of that that we don't want to move towards an afterlife Or a metaphysics, and for our life to be focused on death like that, but rather he says, I want to die myself, that you, my friends, may love the earth more for my sake. I want to become earth again, that I may have peace in her who bore me. And again, your death may not be a blasphemy against man and the earth, my friends. That is what I beg from the honey of your soul, in the sense of death shouldn't be about the afterlife and some sort of gloomy spiritual thing that happens to us, bod- the soul, even the body and so on, but rather it should be a celebration of life itself and the person's life that they lived and everything that they did in a very positive sense and that's what kind of annoys me at funerals as well, every time that you go to a funeral you sort of get the whole typical thing of and they Lord God will look after them, and so forth, and you just get the the main things that happens in somebody's life, but it's not really a celebration of that person, not really a celebration of what they did, because everything's always underpinned by God, the afterlife, and their soul when all that's saying, "Well, all oh, that's well and good and all, but what about their achievements, what about them as a person, and so on? Surely that means more then suddenly slipping in all that religious context in the midst of it all and then we get quite the fun line as well because our death should be about life and enjoyment of the earth and living he says well i want you all to basically pick up the ball and roll exactly what i say and i'd be quite happily to go back to the earth but just hold on a tick i don't want to die quite yet why is that because i actually want to enjoy living Isn't that a weird thing that somebody actually wants to enjoy life and bask in the glory precisely of life itself rather than just running straight for the exit and wanting to die? So that's sort of what Nietzsche's getting right at the end there. So I thought a great movie example for this section to discuss would be Bill and Ted's bogus journey from 1991 starring alex winter as bill and keanu reeves as ted and this is the wee plot summary as well from google amiable slackers bill and ted are once again roped into a fantastical adventure when de a villain from the future sends evil robot duplicates of the two lads to terminate and replace them the robot doubles actually succeed in killing bill and ted but the two are determined to escape the afterlife challenging the grim reaper to a series of games in order to return to the land of the living so we have a sequel then to bill and ted's excellent adventure for the first movie which is all about them passing their history test in order so they don't have to repeat a year of school again in which then we have in the sequel a whole sort of movie about the afterlife and death so what's so fantastic and how it fits in as well with the Nietzsches then we have precisely a movie about the opposite way around of doing things that so much focus like what nietzsche is saying as well is on death because precisely we're living what's so great about bill and ted's bogus journey is they're dead but what do they actually want to do is live and you have that fantastic moment as it says there as well of challenging the grim reaper why is that the case because if you manage to beat the grim reaper at a game then you manage to come back to life again and that's what of course they do and win quite humorously of course because then they managed to beat death at battleships to begin with and then they beat him at cludo and they also beat him at twister and it's all that very funny sense of death continually saying while well, best two out of three, best three out of five, best out of seven and so on and has continually just rubbish at every single game that he plays and never wins once but what's so great as well is that whole sense of here we have the opposite side of things in which we have Bill and Ted precisely striving and fighting just to live and that's sort of the sense in which we have Nietzsche as well within us he says we all have that will to power which is just another way of saying we all have that will to live basically and then we see that fantastically in the movie as well when Bill and Ted challenge and beat death to then become back alive again and then go and challenge their evil robot replicants from the future as you do and i think it fits quite beautifully into that whole thing of well if i could have just a little bit more time i would And if I could actually challenge death and win, I would, because life's worth living and it's so enjoyable and so pleasurable that it's worth a second time around. And if it sort of fits into the whole idea of repeating life over again, would you? Yes, you would. Or at least you should, because life should be something that's enjoyable. Many thanks for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed my discussion of the section of voluntary death in Nietzsche's Thus Spoke Zarathustra. Feel free to drop me a wee email and my address dissectingphilosophy at gmail.com and it can also be found on twitter at Iamarobberman. Many thanks for listening and I'll hope you'll join me next time.